Welcome to Coastal again. Glad that you're here uh, today. First of all, let me just say I am uh, I'm like stoked about uh, preaching today. It feels like it's been uh, several weeks. Really, you know, we had Easter Sunday, we had our anniversary, we had other speech, and I kind of spoke a little bit. And then uh, last week Scott spoke. I told Janet last night, man, I am chomping at the bit. I just feel ready to uh, share with you from God's Word today. So I'm excited um, about being here and glad that you're here with us. Last week this service was packed. Packed. We had to bring in chairs. We were scrambling to find seats for everybody. So we made the plea uh, this week to make room for Jesus um, if you were in this service and uh, uh, didn't mind maybe coming to the first or the third. So we kind of spread it out a little bit today, uh, which is great already. Um, so we kicked off this series on Easter Sunday uh, called Love Can. And uh, we talked about how uh, the Bible says that really love is to be the basis of all of our relationships. And maybe you might even remember this little equation that I shared uh, on Easter Sunday. Love, uh, excuse me, life minus love equals what? Anybody remember? Zero. Life minus love equals zero. Now, the problem is, though, is that a lot of people today kind of misunderstand what real love is, is all about. And we talked about that, what love is, what it's not. And then we talked about how the Bible actually gives us an entire chapter uh, of Scripture to kind of describe or help to define uh, what true love is. And that's in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13. If you've ever been in a wedding, uh, you've probably heard this uh, passage read. People a lot of times call it uh, the love chapter of the Bible. So today, what I want us to do is to look at kind of the first uh, building block of that definition from that chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. It's just three very simple words, very straightforward, right from God's word. So today, we're going to impress all of our guests with our uh, tremendous reading ability, and we're going to read this out loud together. Here we go. You ready? Just three words. One, two, three. Love is patient. Very good. You actually did a good job. I had them repeat it in the first service because they were so terrible at it, but you did a good job. So, so God basically says here that when we're going to relate to people, okay, if we're going to develop, you know, strong, growing, great relationships, if we're going to, you know, be a part of this revolution of love, if we're going to open up a big old can of love on Charleston, then the first thing we need is patience. Now, does that surprise you at all? No, you know, by the way, think about that. How would God know that we need patience in relationships? Well, because he's had thousands and thousands of years of dealing with who? Us, people, right, exactly. He's had to have patience. And so he says the first thing you need in order to relate to people, to build great relationships, is Patience. Now, the word there uh, in the original Greek language literally means takes a long time to boil. Okay? In other words, has a long fuse. Raise your hand if you would admit that you have a short fuse. Okay, we got a lot of short fuses in this room. That could be dangerous. Um, in fact, the word here is never used in the Bible um, relating to anything else except for people. And so it says that, you know, in dealing with people, you need to take a long time to boil. Love is patient. Now, that means then 
it is unloving to be impatient. You know, when, when, when you are patient with your six-year-old, you're loving. When you are impatient with your spouse, you are unloving. And again, if we're going to be a people of love in the world, in our community, then we've got to begin with being patient. Now, why? Why is that so vital to relationships. I mean, why of all the things that God could have started with, you know, here in this chapter he says, okay, hey, if you want to see what, you know, a great relationship is, it, you know, I'll, I'll define what true love looks like. And he starts with love is patient. Why? Let me give you, I think, at least a couple of reasons. Number one, because everybody is different. Everybody is different. I love Ephesians 2.10. It starts off this way, for we are God's masterpiece. He's saying everyone is a, an original. In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, you're a, you're a piece of work, okay? You, you are, you know, you know, you are though, but that's, that's what the Bible basically says. You are a work of art. You are a masterpiece. You are an original. In, in fact, if you are a parent of more than one child, you know this to be true more than anybody else. I mean, it isn't amazing how different our children are. Now think about that for a second. I mean, same family, same home, same environment. And yet, amazingly, they're all different. You know, because we're all original. Now to demonstrate this, or maybe to prove it, I got some quizzes for you today, okay? We're going to put this picture up here. Um, how many of you would say that this glass is half full? Right off the bat, half full. Okay, put your hands down. How many of you would say it's half empty? Okay, how many of you could barely even see what I'm talking about this morning? Okay, you're just, you're old. And you're, what is that up there? Okay. Um, now, um, and, and again, why? Because we all have different perspectives, different perceptions. I mean, that's why, amazingly enough, you know, you could take five people who've witnessed the same accident, the same crime, and they'll all see something different. Now, here's another test. Um, I'm going to show you, in just a moment, a report card, Okay. And I want you to think back to your early school days. Now, some of you, your, your heart's already racing, isn't it? You're like, ah, oh, report card. No, no, Pastor Grace. You're having like a panic attack, okay? But here, go ahead and put this up. This is an imaginary report card. Now, but get this. Seven A's and one B. Look at it. Reading A, writing A. Now, that was back in the day. We, had, we actually wrote. You know, we, we had writing Okay, you know, that was like English, I guess, okay? But reading A, writing A, math A, science A, and then there, look there, oh goodness. Social studies, B. Art, music, P, you know, we, we, we did those things back then. Uh, a, A, A. Now, I want you to think back to the dark ages when you were in school, and if this had been your report card, how would you have felt? And I'm going to give you five options, and I want you to raise your hand at your response. Response number one, I'd feel good knowing that my parents would feel good too. Raise your hand if that would be your response. Okay, now you might go back and forth once you hear some of the others. Okay, here we go, that's good. How about my parents would want to know why I made a B in social studies? Anybody? <laughs> okay, you had, some, had, some, had a rough childhood. Okay, number, number, number three, um, I would expect a big reward from my parents if I brought home this report card. Anybody? Okay. How about, how about number four? 
I'd be upset because I didn't get straight A's. We got any of those people here? Okay, we hate you. Okay, you're like, you really did think that, didn't you? Okay. Um, now, this last one, this is for the rest of you. Um, you'd call a press conference and make sure your life was in order because Jesus would be coming back soon <laughs> if this were your report card. Okay. Now, now, again, the truth is, seriously, we are all different and we all have different perspectives. And because of that, number two, our differences create misunderstandings. Our differences create misunderstandings. And what I mean by that is, Quite simply, sometimes we just can't figure each other out. I mean, we, we don't know where, where, where they're coming from. In fact, it, you know, it's kind of like when you look at your spouse or a coworker and you think to yourself, what planet did you come from, right? You know? Now, most of you have probably had that conversation this morning already, right? Uh, now, look at this verse. This is interesting. 1 Corinthians 2.11. Listen to this. No one can know what anyone else is really thinking except that person alone. Some of you say, that's exactly what I've been saying. Nobody can understand my wife. That's it right there. You know, or nobody can understand my boss. Um, now, I got a little qu another little quiz for you. Just listen to some of these phrases and see if you've said anything like this in the last, you know, I don't know, 30 days or so. I don't understand why he acts that way. She doesn't understand me. He's on a different wavelength. She doesn't make any sense. How in the world can you think that way? Why do I have to tell you 25 times to do it before you actually do it? Why do you get so emotional? Now, can you relate to any of those? So, some of you spoke some of those this morning already. Um, because our differences sometimes create misunderstandings. Now, look at this next verse, though. 1 Thessalonians 5, 14. Be what? Patient with who? Everyone. And you say, wow. Pastor Chris, I cannot do that. You know, that, that is impossible. You know, now, now one of the reasons why we are impatient with people is because we, we do misunderstand and we make some false assumptions. We make some wrong assumptions about people and about situations. So let, let me give you at least four that we make, okay? Number one, one false assumption we make is that our words mean the same thing to everybody else. You know, in other words, the language that we use, the words that we speak mean the same thing, and they just simply do not. You can use a word, and somebody else uses that word, and it has totally different meanings. Did you know that the 500 most used words in the English language have over 14,000 different meanings? Some of those words individually have over 100 different meanings. And so when you use one phrase or word, and another person uses a phrase or word, and you expect that... To, you expect everybody to understand what you're saying, you might just be out of luck. By the way, that's another reason why gossip is so damaging so quickly because by the time what was said kind of gets back to you, you know, it has a totally different meaning. It's way, way off base than when it originally began because our words don't mean the same thing. Second false assumption is that there is only one right way to see everything. You know, and... and you know, in your more logical moments, you know that's not true. There is not always one right way to see something, okay? Another uh, false assumption that we make that gets us into trouble is, well, my way is always the right way to see things. In other words, well, there wouldn't be any problem if you just get on my wavelength. 
You know, my side of the argument is clear, and your side of the argument is confusing and irrational. I'm logical. You're emotional. My frustration is justified. Yours is unwarranted. In other words, my way is always the right way. Now, here's another uh, misconception, and um, it is that I can always figure out your motives. You know, that, that assumption gets you into trouble. That you know, you always know where people are coming from and why they're doing what they're doing. Listen, can't you just admit that you can't always figure out your own motives all the time? You know, why you do what you do. That was the Apostle Paul, right? He said, hey, sometimes I, I, I actually want to do the right thing and I end up doing the wrong thing. And the very thing I don't want to do, I end up doing. And he says he can't figure it all out. Well, what's, if you can't figure yourself out, you know, how in the world can you always figure out somebody else? And he says here, be patient with everyone. Now, notice also that that's a command. Okay, in other words, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, there's, I don't see a lot of wiggle room here. You know, he doesn't say, well, you know, if it feels good, be patient. You know, I'd suggest, you know, uh, be patient with people. No, 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 no. What's he say? Do it. Be patient. Now, how in the world then are we going to do that? I mean, if we, if we have all these, mis, you know, these false assumptions, we can't understand people. Let, let me give you some principles I think that will help today. And that's what I want to do. We want to give you hope and help as we walk out of here and become a more loving people. If we're really going to love our community, then we've got to understand and get a hold of this thing called patience. Okay? Number one. And this is where it starts. Remember how patient God is with you. Remember how patient God is with me. That is the starting point. Listen to me. You will never have to be more patient with, with other people than God has already been patient with you. 1 Timothy 1.16 says this. This is the Apostle Paul, okay? He says, I was shown mercy so that in me the worst sinner... Okay, now remember, this is the Apostle Paul. Before he becomes, you know, he has that Damascus Road experience, and before he sees the light and comes to faith, his basic job was to round up other followers of Jesus and put them to death. So he's a murderer. He, he you know, he was there when Stephen was being stoned to death. You know, he, he did not exactly have the greatest of past. And so he says, hey, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst sinner, Christ might display, what two words does he use? His what? Unlimited patience. In other words, hey, if God can save me, if God can have patience with me, man, he can save anybody. You are, you, you and I, we are examples of God's unlimited patience. You know, the next time you find yourself saying, when will you ever grow up? Why are you taking so long? Why can't you get your rear into gear? You know, why isn't life maturing for you? How long do I have to wait on you? Remember how often God wants to say that to you. Romans 15, 7 says this. Accept each other just as Christ has what? Accepted you. Accepted you. Notice the motive. 
He says, the reason I'm to accept other people is that Christ has accepted me. The reason you and I are to be patient with other people. Again, this is the starting point. Is that God is patient with me. The reason we're to try to love other people and get along with other people is because God has extended that mercy to us. So that's the foundation. That's where it begins. Number two, learn by listening. Really listening. Opening up your ears, not just hearing, but listening. Proverbs 19.11, a man's wisdom gives him what? Patience. Proverbs 14.29, and then a patient man has great what? Understanding. So wisdom and understanding. This all fits together. The Bible says the wiser you are, the more wisdom you have, the more understanding you're going to be of people. And the more you understand people, the chances are more, the more patient you're going to be with them. In other words, if, if, if you don't try to understand the people who are frustrating to you, if you don't try to understand the people, quite frankly, who are unlovely and unkind and maybe even hurtful, You'll never be able to be patient with them. Now, I'm not saying you make excuses for them, but I'm saying when I understand the people in my life who are hurting me, when, when I understand that those people are actually hurting themselves, then I can be a little more patient. Because I understand where it's coming from. I mean, come on, we all know this. We all know that behind most anger and, and uh, you know, people who are unlovely, it's just pain. And if we can look behind that and begin to see where it's coming from, and again, I'm not saying we make excuses for it, you know, but... We could, we could be a little more understanding and therefore be a little more patient. And I think it begins by listening. Not just hearing, but listening. Look at this next verse, Proverbs 18, 13. Listen before you answer, okay? If you don't, you are being what? What does he say? Stupid and insulting. I mean, that's pretty clear, right? I mean, that's pretty, pretty basic there. But how do we typically respond to frustrations with people? I mean, in relationships, whether in, at home, in your own family, at work, in the church, out in the community. You know what happens when we get frustrated with people? We, we, we walk away from the problem. We just walk away and we go, man, I need more patience. You know, God, give me patience. And then the very act of walking away and refusing to talk and listen keeps us from ever getting the very thing that we say we want. I mean, and as a result, this proverb says, you are being stupid. You are being insulting. So, stop judging what you're hearing or thinking about how you're going to respond. And we do that, don't we? You know, it's like we get in a, a chess match with people. We're, you know, it, it's, we're not really listening to what they're saying, where it's coming from. We're already thinking like five, seven moves ahead, right? Point, counterpoint, point, counter, I'm going to dominate this conversation. I will win. You, are, you will lose and we're not paying attention. We're not listening. Listen, God gave you how many ears? Two. How many mouths? One. That means you should listen twice as much as you talk. How would you rate yourself as a listener? How would the people who know you the best, how would the people in your family rate you as a listener? 
Maybe, you know, you do that little equation later today. You think about yourself and then ask your spouse, ask your kids, ask the people in your life, hey, how would you rate me as a listener, 1 to 10? Now, next time, just to prove this, by the way, next time you're at a wedding, and let's put it this way, next time you're at a wedding you don't want to be at, okay? Like, you're, you're under duress, you really didn't want to be there. To have a little fun and just... Pastor Chris told you to do this, okay? Do a little non-scientific survey to prove that nobody really listens anymore, okay? Now, you know, after the wedding, they typically have those um, uh, receiving lines, right? Where they got the bridal party. And a lot of times, like, the, the family members of the, you know, the bride and the groom, they're all standing there in the receiving line, and everybody's shaking hands and smiling, and nobody's really listening, okay? Now, just to prove it, when you greet each person, when you, when you go through the line, seriously, I want you to, like, shake their hand and smile and say, the alligators are loose, okay? And you say something like that. Say something like, I've got Ebola. You know, like, uh, you know, I slept with the grandmother. I mean, whatever it is, I should have said that. But you just come up with something, like, way, and I guarantee you, like, seven out of ten people will probably smile right back at you and go, Thank you so much. We're so glad you're here today, you know. Like, really? I've got Ebola. You know, you're, you are going to die, you know. Um, but, but why? Because nobody listens. Listen to this. Research has shown that only 7% of the meaning of what you say is communicated in the actual words that you use. 7%. 43% of the meaning comes from how you say it. Vocal tone volume, pitch, 7% words, 43% how you say it, the remaining 50%, you ready for this? Just body language, nonverbal body language, facial expressions, hand gestures, all that kind of stuff. That's why when you're on the phone with somebody, really, many times it's only 50% you know, effective because you can't see how that other person is responding. Now get this, this is what's so crazy though. Because how are, what's the primary way in which so many people today are developing relationships? With what? Texting. Seriously? Seriously. You're, you're going out on dates and developing relationships by the words that you can punch in with your finger. Are you that stupid? I mean, come on. That's 7%. You have no idea what that person is thinking, how they're responding. And we wonder why. I mean, you know what? It's time to put down the phone, put down the computer, and actually be with people. Be with people, you know, a live human being. Now, what does that mean? That means your eyes are just as important as your ears. Has your spouse ever said something like this to you? Listen to me when we talk. Look at me. You know, put, close the computer. Get behind, you know, turn off the television. They have a point. So, if we're going to be patient, remember how patient God is with you, first of all. Learn really to listen. And then number three, make allowances for each other. Make allowances for each other. Here, next to this one on your outline, just write the word grace. Listen, give grace to one another. Extend grace. Everybody has a bad day. Would you agree with that? 
We all have bad days. I mean, we're all flaky from time to time. We all have moments. I mean, depending on the time of the day, the time of the week, and yes, even the time of the month, um, we all have bad days. Now, let me go ahead and say, Janet, my wife, knows that I have basically two, at least two, touchy times of the week every single week. Okay, this is just one of the burdens of living with the pastor, okay? And it's Saturday night and Sunday afternoon. She knows that she needs to give me a little bit of grace, make some allowances for me on Saturday night and Sunday afternoon. I like to say because I get PMS, okay? I do. Every week I get PMS. Pre-message syndrome and post-message syndrome, okay? Just getting my mind in gear for, you know, on Saturday night and then the kind of the meltdown after three services on Sunday afternoon. She knows at some point I just don't need to talk and just leave me alone. By the way, do you know why it takes three women with PMS to change a light bulb? It just does! Okay, anyway, sorry. sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. I know, I know, I know. Don't, I know, now you're really pulling out the connect card. I don't want to get him. <laughs> In fact, I told my wife last night I was going to make a, and, and Lydia, that I was going to make a PMS joke today. And I, man, did I hear it for about, I'm still going to do it. Anyway, okay. So, but you know, men, I mean, on the other hand, men, we're, we're for the most part, we're temperamental, right? 90% temper, 10% mental. I know that. Um, <laughs> But my real point is this, and I don't want you to miss this. We all have bad days. And the problem is we so quickly know today when someone's having a bad day and when they screw up and we plaster it for everyone and everybody to see. And sometimes, you know, it's just a fact of life and we need to be a little more gracious with people. You know, Ephesians 4.2 says, be patient with each other. Listen to this making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. See how all that's intertwined there? Making allowances for you. We all have bad days. This is, you know, a proof of your, of your love, that you're able to do that. You can give grace. Look at Proverbs 12, 16. A fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person can stay calm when insulted. Listen, sometimes you just need to keep your mouth shut. Just let it fly. Let it pass. We all have bad days. We all get crazy from time to time. Number four, treat each, others, treat each other the way you want to be treated. Treat each others, treat others the way you want to be treated. This is so, you know, I mean, there's nothing new about that. That's the golden rule, right? Matthew 7, 12. Do for others uh, what you would like them to do for you. Man, that single verse right there, that could save most relationships, most marriages, I mean, that's so easy to understand, so simple, and yet it's, it's difficult. I mean, we all know that. That's, that's nothing new, but it's very difficult to practice. Look at Philippians 2, 4 and 5. Listen to this. Each of you, in other words, everybody who's a follower of Jesus should not only look to your own interest, but look to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. What's he saying? He's saying, Pay attention to the needs of other people. Look, listen, try to discover what their needs are, what they're interested in. Let me ask you, could you name the top four or five needs or interests of the people in your life? 
the members of your family, the people that you work with. I mean, sometimes we just get, I mean, if, if we're going to start a love revolution and we don't even know what the other people in our lives' needs are, or interests are, how's that ever going to happen? We get, we're just so caught up in our own little worlds and we forget about the people around us. And the Bible says that the way of Jesus is different. Think about the needs of other people. Pay attention to their interest. Now let me ask you, let's be frank here. Is it easy or natural to pay attention to the needs of other people first, to think about other people's viewpoints first? Is that normal, natural, or easy? Absolutely not. That's why it takes God. You see, that is the real secret of, of patience. Listen, it's not natural to be patient with the people in your life. It's not. You know, it, it takes a power greater than yourself. And so, you know, the reality is this week, listen to me, whether you're at work, at school, at play, in your own home, you're going to come in contact with some real jerks. Okay? People who are going to be having a really bad day, a bad week, and they're going to take it out on you. And yet God says, hey, as a follower of Jesus, pay attention to the needs of other people. Try to understand them. Be patient with everybody. How in the world do you do that? How in the world can, can, you, can you do that? Only with Jesus in your life. Can you treat people the way Jesus did? I mean, that's the secret of patience. You know, I, it's not a mistake that in Galatians chapter 5, patience is listed as one of the fruit of the Spirit. You know, in other words, when you become a follower of Jesus, okay, God comes into your life. And one of the things that he supernaturally begins to develop is this thing called patience. Now, but you got to understand this. The fruit is always a gift. I mean, it is by the grace of God, but it's got to be appropriated. In other words, the fruit is the result of God's grace, but the fruit grows in your life as a result of you cooperating with the Holy Spirit, as a result of the choices that you make. So here's the challenge, Coastal. This week, choose to be patient. Remember how patient God is with you. Listen to people. Try to understand them. Now, I want to close with um, another passage of Scripture. It's there on your outline, so it'll be on the screen. And it also deals with the patience of God. And I want you to listen to this. 2 Peter 3, 9 and 10. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise to return, as some people think. Okay, now, what Peter is saying here is that Jesus is going to come back. And don't worry, he hasn't forgotten about us. It's going to happen, and he's not being slow. Okay, now listen to this. No, he is being what? What's the word? Patient for who? That's right. You see, he does not want 
anyone to perish. So he is giving what? More time for everyone to repent. Man, did you hear that? You see, how I read that, basically what Peter is saying is that the only reason when you got up this morning, the trumpet did not sound. And the sky was not split in two. And Jesus did not return. And every knee bow and every tongue confess that he is the Lord. The only reason that didn't happen last night, not because God is slow, as some people understand being slow, but no, he is being patient with us, giving more people more time to come home to him. He might be talking about you. He's waiting on you. He's being patient. But the day of the Lord will come. As unexpectedly as a thief. In other words, nobody knows the day, the time, or the hour. If somebody says they do, by the way, they're a whack job, okay? Like, stay away from those people. But it will come. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. Everything in them will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be exposed to the judgment. He's coming. But right now, he is being patient. And you and I can't be patient with our kids with a coworker, with our spouse, the Lord's patient with you. And he's waiting on you to come home. And what are you waiting on? Because he will come back. And it's going to be a time and a place and an hour when nobody knows or understands, but he's coming back. And the trumpet will sound and the sky will split. Either he will take you home or he will come again. But one day, all that we know will, will come to an end. So what are you waiting on? Listen, God loves you and he has a plan for your life and he wants you to come home. And today could be that day for you. It's as simple as and yet as beautiful as a prayer. You know, there's no sinner's prayer in the Bible. It's just a matter of you expressing your heart to God and coming home to him. And so I want to give you a chance to do that today because God has been patient with you. He's waiting. Come home today.